Thank you for downloading this podcast from Abrupt Audio. You can find more episodes of this and many other podcasts at abruptaudio.com. Subscribe today to get the next episode automatically. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Pixel Podcast. It's episode 10. I'm Martin and I'll be your host for this week. And as always, I'm joined by my co-presenter, Ben. Say hello. Hello. Due to Ben being ill, it'll be a shorter episode this week. Therefore, we'll extend the voting poll for Versus. Remember, you can vote at Pixel Podcast's Twitter. With that, let's dive into our first topic. There are three kinds of people. Those who can count and those who can't. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Our first topic this week is all to do with SpaceX, a reusable rocket that has finally landed on the ocean platform it was originally planned to. The US aerospace company SpaceX has successfully landed a reusable rocket on an ocean platform after four previous attempts had failed. Mission controllers cheered as the Falcon 9 rocket remained upright on the platform off Florida. It was returning from delivering an inflatable habitat into space for NASA. The inflatable room will attach onto the space station for a two-year test and become the first such habitat habitat for humans in orbit. It is due to reach the ISS around 9am GMT on Sunday, along with other freight aboard the Dragon capsule. Built by the Nevada company Bigelow Airspace, the habitat is intended to pave the way towards the use of such rooms for long space trips, including to Mars. NASA has not attempted a cargo run with SpaceX since the June 2015 mishap, when an unmanned cargo rocket exploded soon after takeoff. The Falcon 9 lifted off on schedule at 16.43 local time on Friday from Cape Canaveral Air Force Station in Florida. After putting the Dragon capsule into orbit, the main stage booster of SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket separated and landed on the floating platform known as a drone ship. Quote here says, the rocket landed instead of putting a hole in the ship or tipping over, so we're really excited about that. That was the SpaceX founder and chief executive Elon Musk told reporters in Florida. At the company's mission control center in Hawthorne, California, employers cheered wildly, jumping up and down and chanting USA, USA, USA. Uh, Martin, um, you know, this is a corporate company getting involved in helping NASA out. You know, Elon Musk obviously uh, also owns Tesla, the companies that are making these electric cars. Uh, do you think that uh, it's a good thing that there's other corporate companies getting involved and do you think the success of this uh, will hopefully uh, show greater things maybe to Mars missions in the future? Well, first I'm going to start off, like, I think the first rocket was, like, in the 60s and what, what we come to now, it's incredible. And I'm, to your question, yes, I feel like companies should invest more into space and look beyond the stars. It's one of those... Uh, I feel like a lot of potential for companies to get a lot of money back, but let's not fix on that too much about the money-grabbing needs of a company. I just feel like experiments like this help us with, like, obviously, like uh, air travel and space travel, and I feel like these are big things that everyone can uh, take in small strides. And to finish it all off, I'm really excited about all this stuff, and I'd love to see uh, more missions like this with more success rate. <laughs> Okay, our second topic of this week is Volvo highway robbery stunt turns passing cars into generators. Volvo has a new ultra luxe SUV on the market, the plug-in hybrid version of the well-received XC90 featuring the 400 horsepower generated from a four-cylinder turbo paired to an electric motor. A new model means a new publicity campaign and the Volvo came up with an absolute creative one. It's called highway robbery, Volvo's scheme involved a contraption laid across a Southern California highway that pushed water into a generator every time a car passed by. 
In turn, the generator would dribble a bit of power into a shiny white XC90T8 parked by the side of the road. A jumbotron connected to the setup taunted each driver with messages like, thanks for the extra miles, Jeep, and thank you, blue Volkswagen. So I watched the video with Ben, and it's a really clever campaign, and it's definitely something I've never seen before. And on the subject of making it, um, having the electricity go into the uh, SUV, I can't see this being a mainstream power source. It was a cool campaign and a marketing idea, but I feel like it's a bit too far-fetched if we put it into a real perspective um, and into the real world. Like, it's a lot of money to put all this, like, contraption of a road over a highway or any other backstreet road, and the amount of cars that you'll need constantly going over it just to charge up a small SUV. It seemed like in the video it took a few hours, and in a real-world situation, it wouldn't work. What's your... Thoughts, Ben, do you think it will work in the real world or not? Of course, it's 100% not a practical way of charging up a bunch of cars. It isn't going to get you charged up very quickly, considering the amount of power that some of these cars need. Even some of the quickest charging points take a few hours to charge up a car. So obviously the ad does a very good job of hiding actually maybe how much battery was originally in the car, if it really did power much of the car. But it did its job really. It, it told every driver that passed that car on that road for those uh, for that day that it was there uh, about the XC90 and uh, you know it kind of called out a lot of the other manufacturers and kind of did the job that it's supposed to do. Made a really cool ad account campaign uh, that will do very well on the internet and people like to see it and uh, you know it kind of just does the job that it's supposed to do it is an ad campaign it was a clever marketing tool by volvo and you know i like the video i enjoyed it you know there is something hopefully if you said out there there, there maybe is a way in the future a better way of being able to um sort of use the energy uh, of cars on roads and things like that to sort of recharge up batteries or provide power to grids or things like that. But I think really it's something maybe sort of fairly linked to this uh, that I've sort of mentioned in different online spaces before that would be good for the online car future would be sort of these electric powered sort of roads that could then charge up the cars as you're driving down the highway. It'd be really cool that maybe in the city centres if you could go on sort of an electric lane where it actually does charge up your car as you're driving along. Um, if you're stuck in traffic, things like that, that'd be really, really cool. So uh, yeah, definitely don't think that it's uh, anything that was realistic in the video, but it definitely caught people's attention. Uh, it was a nice little video, called out some of the manufacturers and uh, did the job that it was supposed to do. So really that's all that, that matters. So next topic is all to do with WhatsApp. Now you can forget Apple versus the FBI. WhatsApp have just switched on encryption for a billion people. Yes, for most of the past six weeks, the biggest story out of the Silicon Valley was Apple's battle with the FBI over a federal order to unlock the iPhone of a mass shooter. The company's refusal touched off a searing debate over privacy and security in the digital age. But this morning at a small office in Mountain View, California, three guys made the scope of that enormous debate look kind of small. Mountain View is the home to WhatsApp, an online messaging service now owned by tech giant Facebook that has grown into one of the world's most important applications. More than a billion people trade messages, make phone calls, send photos, swap videos using the service. This means that only Facebook itself runs a larger self-contained communications network. And today, the enigmatic founders of WhatsApp, Brian Acton and Jan Kuhn, together with a high-minded coder and cryptographer who goes by the pseudonym Moxie Marlin Spike, revealed that the company has added an end-to-end -end encryption to every form of communication on its service. This means that if any group 
of people use the latest version of WhatsApp, whether that group spans two people or 10, the service will encrypt all messages, phone calls, photos, videos, moving among them. And that's true on any phone that runs the app from iPhones to Android, uh, to Windows phones, to old school Nokia flip phones. With end-to-end -end encryption in place, not even WhatsApp's employees can read the data that's sent across its network. In other words, WhatsApp has no way of complying with court order demanding access to the content of the message, phone call, photo, or video traveling through its service. Like Apple, WhatsApp is in practice stonewalling the federal government, but it's doing so on a larger front, one that spans roughly a billion devices. And this is really interesting. Like they're saying in the article, they're kind of doing what Apple did. Apple basically uh, made it so that they weren't able to know the, the actual lock code for the phone, which spurred the whole Apple versus the FBI thing where um, the FBI wanted them to crack into their own phone. And they're saying, well, for one, we don't know the code. We're not allowed to, part of what we do. And secondly, we don't want to create a, a backdoor into that, into our software, because that would be available to loads of different people. So WhatsApp are kind of doing a similar thing. So they're kind of removing their responsibility completely and encrypting all the message, which I think is a good thing. Um, you know, sometimes even, um, you know, the companies, if they don't intend on leaking or allowing other people to see uh, important private messages and things like that, it can sometimes happen for the wrong reason. So removing this out basically makes a very slim chance of that ever happening, if at all. And a lot of people do use WhatsApp. It's used across multiple devices by many different people. And I think it's a really important step. So, uh, so yeah, it has maybe shone off the light of Apple versus the FBI and the whole Apple front, but it's still, whatever it is, very good for the general user. Well, we talked a lot on Pixel Podcast about like safety and how people, um, and how you should sort of be aware of people trying to get into your software. And once again, like my hat goes off to WhatsApp for making this encryption for billions of people who are now affected by this. And I feel like it's good that not deterred by the FBI from after going after Apple and WhatsApp sort of also stepping up to plate saying, look, we also admire people's privacy. Um, so therefore I have nothing but full respect for WhatsApp. And I feel like more companies should join this sort of, this band of people who are going no to the government. And I feel that this is a real big movement and we're going to start seeing more and more companies now add encryptions onto their software. And I think it's a great move. Okay, our next article is called, I called Sweden's new national number to talk to a random Swedish person. On April 6th, the Swedish Tourist Association launched the Swedish number, an actual phone number people from all over the world can dial to speak to a random Swedish person. The marketing gimmick is meant to celebrate the 250th anniversary of the country's abolishment of censorship and to educate foreigners about the Scandinavian country and the people who live there. So far, over 17,000 people from across the globe have called the hotline, expecting to speak to Swedish people who, without any training or instructions, have agreed to talk to strangers about their homeland. I feel this is a great way for people to learn a new culture from the horse's mouth to understand uh, Swedish people that extra bit more. And I feel like this is what the world sort of lacks, that sort of communication to one another. All right, we have like Facebook and other social media, but this sort of encourages people more to go out of their circle of friends and their circle of, of their country that they live in and talk to another country and learn more about them. And I feel this is a great way of getting people connected easier Ben, what are your thoughts? I do think it's a really cool idea, and uh, I, it's it's said to be a marketing gimmick, but I think it does go a little bit deeper than that. 
Um, it's not often that you do get the opportunity to talk to people from different countries and find out what it's like to live there. And Sweden being the kind of country it is, there's lots of students there from other different countries as well. So the opportunity actually to speak to people from other countries uh, that are currently uh, studying within Sweden. For instance, a person online said that he managed to speak to a 25-year-old student who's originally from Uganda and has been living in Sweden for the past year while studying environmental engineering. So uh, really interesting to find out sort of different people's backgrounds, find out some information about them, have a little chat. And I think it's a really cool idea generally and, uh, you know, I do welcome that sort of thing. It's cool connecting with new people, you know, making conversation, finding out what it's like to live in that country, especially Sweden. It's a very, very, like I said, diverse country and, uh, you know, it does a lot right generally. And uh, obviously uh, the abolishment of censorship was one thing they did massively right. So uh, it's definitely worth celebrating. And uh, yeah, if, you know, if you can get in and call the number is all I'm going to say. <laughs> Our final article this week is all to do with PlayStation 4. Now, if you are a PS4 owner, you might have seen the latest 3.5 update, but you might not actually have realized the amount of things that have been included in it. It's really actually had more than advertised included in there, which is, which is a good thing to find out. So we're gonna run through some of the best bits of the update. First bit, and one of my favorite ones, is to do with appearing offline. On your profile tab, quick menu, and login screen, uh, they've added an option called online status. From there, you can choose to appear offline. This could be useful, for example, if you want to fully concentrate on your game, watch a movie without interruption. You remain offline until you choose to change your setting. Don't forget to turn it back on to fully experience your PS4. You can also choose to get notified when your friend comes online. If it's a friend that you always want to play a particular game with and you're just waiting, you're chilling out on the PS4, waiting for them to come back from school, come back from work or things like that to join you, then you can get a notification on your PS4 the moment they come online. There's also a feature called Play Together. It allows members of a party to see what each person is playing so they can easily join a friend's game to start a new session together. One of the most useful for me is going to be Remote Play, which is available not only on PC, but Mac too. With this update, they're expanding the PS4's Remote Play compatibilities to work with PC and Mac, giving you more freedom and flexibility to pay your PS4. Remote Play is compatible with the following system software, Windows 8.1, Windows 10 or later, or OS X 10.10 .10 or OS X 10.11. You can now broadcast also to daily motion if you're someone who does use daily motion. Don't know who does, but there you go, the option is there. There's also been some social improvements. Uh, you can share your friend's best moments to your feed for everyone to see. Spread the glory. You can also tag players when you share videos, a bit like you do on Facebook, which is good as well. There's also a PSN status area to check the status of PlayStation Network services. You can view that in settings, network. There's also teen account creations. Teen age 13 to 17 can now create their own account and start playing in offline mode until parents approve the account and complete the parental control setup for their ledger. I always welcome this sort of thing. It's parents more involved with what the teens are doing, more of a collaborative communication going on there. Always proves to be a better thing. And finally, the PlayStation Plus Hub. Plus members can now easily access and manage their online storage. You could also see from your PS Plus games which of your friends also play your monthly Plus games. Martin, uh, anyone in this list that particularly stands out to you that you like? Okay, the first one has got to be the appear offline mode. This was incorporated in the Xbox 360, when, uh, especially when I was playing. And it was always good because I did have this one friend who kept messaging me and put, uh, invited me to a party all the time. And I didn't really know him. Like, we sort of met online, and it always, always without fail. As soon as he got online, this guy has invited you to a party. And it got really annoying. So that was sort of a lifesaver. And to see it now on the PS4, you know, Ben might come online and, I don't know, might just appear offline really sneakily. And I could do that with the online uh, notification. When a friend comes online, I could quickly just uh, quickly go, oh, Ben's online, go offline. So you're welcome, Ben. Um, 
final one I'll have to say has got to be the broadcast that you have the uh, option to go on Daily Motion. Um, I've watched a few things on Daily Motion, and I feel like it's good to have that more diversity across than other than just YouTube and a few others out there. So it's nice to have a, a bigger, wider mix of it. And finally, the teen account creation. It's always good for parents sort of monitoring what their child is viewing or playing. And teens can still play offline, play the game, so they're not sort of waiting around like sitting ducks thinking, when can I play my PS4? They can go on offline and play on their own for a bit. So it's a really good move from PS4. Keeps the games going. You're listening to the Pixel Podcast. Get a life. I'm a gamer. I've got plenty of lives. That's it for this week. We apologise, but like I previously said, Ben is not very well. Remember, you can vote for the winner of Versus last week on Twitter at Pixel Podcast. If you did enjoy this episode, you can download it on iTunes. If you're an Android user, you can use Stitcher app. And you can find us on abruptaudio.com and search Pixel Podcast. Thank you for listening. I've been Martin. And thank you, Ben. And goodbye. Bye. Bye. You do look a little rough. You've been listening to the Pixel Podcast. Thank you and good night. Or as they say in gamer speak, G-G-N-O-R-E.